Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Of course, Matthew chapter number 6 is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. We're familiar with this. Jesus is teaching and he's teaching his disciples. In verse number uh, 1 of Matthew chapter 5, the previous chapter, it says, Seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain. And when he was said, his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and then he goes into uh, the Beatitudes and he begins to teach and he begins to preach. And and he's teaching the disciples on, on many different things. He teaches them, of course, like I said about the Beatitudes and on being light and salt and he's teaching them about the law and all of these things and and in chapter number six we get to see this comparison that Jesus gives. Jesus is here of course in this particular passage speaking about prayer and he says you've seen the Pharisees teaching and you've seen how they pray and, and I, I don't know historically too much, but I, I, I'm sure that the Pharisees were teaching the people. I'm sure many people prayed this way. They prayed this way because the Pharisees taught them to pray this way. They were kind of the religious leaders and, and maybe the religious rulers. And so they prayed that way. And, and I'm sure many of the people prayed like that. But Jesus comes in and in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he says over and over again, Ye have heard it hath been said, but I say unto you. He says, you thought this way and so you did it this way. But let me tell you what God thinks about this. And, and he gets into prayer. And he says there in verse number 7, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye. What was that characteristic of God that was supposed to change their prayer life? What was that information, that key information that would have changed their prayers from the vain, empty repetitions and and the other prayers that maybe the Pharisees had been praying to the prayer that Jesus was telling them to pray? It was the fact that God already knew. It was the fact that God, of course, knows everything. God knows it all. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows the circumstances around you. He understands the pressures in your life. He understands the temptations that come your way. He understands your financial situation. He understands your family situation. He understands it all. He understands the whole world. He knows it all. He knows what has happened in the past. He knows what's going on today. He knows what will happen in the future. He knows it all. And because he knows it all, Jesus says, Pray differently. Pray as if God already knows. You know God knows, and God knows it all. Therefore, we ought to be different. We ought to think different. We ought to approach God differently. And so sometimes when we look at some of the the doctrines that is given to us in the Word of God about who God is and our nature and things like that, we think, oh, that's nice knowledge or nice information, that's good teaching. But God did not give us that information just because He gave it to us so that we could be changed. So have we allowed God's omniscience to change our lives, to change our prayer lives? Sometimes we put so much upon ourselves instead of going to God knowing that he knows it all. And sometimes I feel that we as Christians, we stumble and we fall because we do not rely on this truth given to us in God's word. 
And in this passage and in a few other passages that we'll look at in a few moments, I see three results of Christian living that come from knowing God is omniscient. Knowing that God knows it all. Number one, I see that it makes trusting in Him reasonable. It makes trusting in Him reasonable because He knows it all. Of course, we, we have GPS today, and I remember when the first GPSs came out, and, uh, you know, the, the tom-toms and, and those other things, and you, you, you connected them. And, and if you remember, back in the day, they gave you a set of maps, and they never updated it until you paid them extra. You had to pay them to get updated maps. Now we have Google Maps, and, and it updates all the time. And so I unconsciously, I just, I just use Google Maps all the time. And uh, Esther and I, we were married uh, just over two years ago, and the apartment that we lived in uh, was really close to where the church was meeting. We were actually meeting in another church's building, uh, and it was really close to there, but uh, my wife Esther, she worked at a school that was about 10 miles away. And so every morning she would just, uh, she would go to the school and I would, actually, I would go to pastor's house uh, because obviously we couldn't meet in their building for office work and things like that. So I would go to pastor's house and, uh, and Esther would go to her school. But uh, uh, last year the church purchased the building and the building was somewhat near where her school was. It was actually a little bit farther away. And so we thought, well, it just makes sense that we'll start carpooling. And uh, so we started carpooling in the morning. We would, we would go, we would leave maybe 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, and uh, I would go, I would drop her off at school, and then I would continue on to the church, I would work there, and then when her school uh, was over, I would come pick her up and I would come home, and we would do that every single day. Uh, the thing is, on, on that highway 287 over there, sometimes there's traffic, sometimes there's an accident or whatever, and uh, we were running a little bit late to begin with one morning, and so we're driving there. And uh, we're stuck in traffic uh, pretty early, and so we're driving along, and I'm thinking, man, we're going to be late. So I asked Esther, uh, can you turn on the GPS, or I, I may have turned on the GPS, and I said, okay, let's, let's try to find an alternate route. And so Google Maps pulls up an alternate route. It says, get off the highway, go local, turn this road, go around this corner, turn right, and, and it has all these directions to go local the rest of the way. And so I'm following it, and, we, and we're going along, and we, we follow it, and we stop at a light, and we go through, and we turn the corner, and right around the corner, right in front of us is this big construction sign, road closed. I was like, oh man, we're already late. And now I'm stuck with this road closure thing. You know, sometimes, you know, when they're doing construction, it's like, you know, local only or something like that. No, road closed. No way through. And uh, I found out what it was. It was the fact that, like, the night before, we had, like, a thunderstorm or something, and it had flooded the street. And so they closed that street. And so I was thinking, oh, no, we're already late, and so i got to turn around, and i got to find another way, and Google Maps keeps trying to reroute me back to that road, you know what I'm saying? If you don't follow it, it keeps sending you back that way, but I know that road is closed, stop sending me over there. And so eventually we made it over there, and I'm thinking to my GPS, GPS, Google Maps, you failed me. You had never failed me before, but today you failed me. I remember when Apple Maps first came out. And I had heard rumors that there were some mistakes there. And uh, I had heard it, but I said, I'm going to anyway. And uh, there was a Panera Bread uh, fairly close by, so I, I said, Panera Bread, send me there. And I, I clicked on it, and it took me there. And I pulled in, and the, in the parking lot, I looked up, and it's a McDonald's. <laughs> I was like, 
what is this? Like, oh, come on, you don't know the difference between McDonald's and Panera Bread? And so I looked up and I realized, oh, it's like way over there. It's like a block down and whatever. And, the, and I'm sure that they fix it, I hope. But, you know, I was thinking about, we just so much rely on, on the GPS systems that we have today. Google Maps and, and Apple Maps and all of these things. And, but the thing is, Google Maps didn't know about that road closure. It had suddenly come up and, and it didn't know about that. And sometimes it makes mistakes. You know, I, I read somewhere that uh, they, uh, maybe not today anymore, but they would make a, a million corrections a day on Google Maps. Of course, it's worldwide. Every day they were making a million corrections because people were saying, no, this is the wrong place. This is the wrong way. There's no road here and all of these things. But God knows it all. God doesn't need a million corrections a day. He doesn't need any corrections any day. He knows the road is going to be closed. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's the fastest way. He knows if there's going to be traffic ahead. He knows if there's going to be an accident. And even more than we trust Google Maps or we trust weather.com or any of the websites to give us information, more than we trust the news sources, we could trust in God because he knows it all. He knows the end of every road. He knows the result of every decision. He knows the consequences of every choice. And because God knows it all, we can trust him. It makes trusting in him more reasonable than it is to trust in anything else. It makes it more reasonable to trust in God than it is to trust in my own self and in my own thinking and in my own reasoning. You know, sometimes things make so much sense to us, and then we get there and we realize, man, what a big mistake. Man, I really thought this was going to work, and it didn't work out at all. But God knew it wasn't going to work. And if we had just gone to God, maybe he would have said, maybe you shouldn't do that. But because it makes trusting in him reasonable, we can trust his purpose. When you look at the prayer that Jesus gives to us, Verse number 9, it says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, the things are done the way that God wants them to be done, but not here on earth. Make decisions contrary to what God would have, and people all across the planet, saved and unsaved, we make decisions contrary to the will of God. But his way is better than our way because he knows it all. Isaiah chapter 55, verse number 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's thoughts and God's ways are better than our ways. They are higher than our ways. And when you just look at some of the, the people in the Bible that God has recorded for us, man, you look at their life and you think, if they had planned out their life, they never would have chosen that life. Never. Think about Joseph. Joseph, he's the favorite of his father. And I have no idea what he was thinking, but I imagine if I was the favorite, which I'm pretty sure I am, right? I must be the favorite, right? I have no idea, right? But I've got to be the favorite, right? If I'm the favorite, man, I don't want anything to change, right? I just want to keep on living the life of being the favorite child of my dad. And he got special privileges. He got that special coat of many colors. And, and his brothers did not like him because they knew he was the favorite, right? I'm sure if you had asked Joseph at 10, 12, 15, what do you want to do with your life? What do you think the best plan for your life is? He would never have said what happened to him. 
he would never have said, oh man, I really want to just get sold into slavery by my brothers. Man, that is the best. No, he would never have chosen that. He would never have chosen to go to Egypt. He would never have chosen to go to prison. He would never have chosen to be involved in any of these things. And yet, the result of it was he was second in command only to Pharaoh. Wow. And right when they needed it, right when his family needed it, because God knew what was going to happen. Of course, God was making it happen. So, of course, he knew it was going to happen. But God knew it was going to happen. And he knew Pharaoh was going to get a dream. And he knew that Joseph needed to get in touch with the baker and the butler. So he said, all right, this is the plan. I'm going to send you over here. And I'm going to make you go through these circumstances. I'm going to make you go through these situations. And you will end up here. And we look at the story of Joseph and think, wow. What an amazing life. What an amazing situation for his family. Because God has a better way. Because God knows what's going to happen. They didn't know the famine was going to happen, but God knew it was. So he sent Joseph ahead on his way. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable because God gave his life for us. It is reasonable for us to give it back to him. And it's also reasonable for us to trust him because he knows it all. He knows more than me. He knows more than all of us collectively. Because it's reasonable to trust him, we can trust his purpose. We can trust his provision. Verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. Every day we need provision. Every day we need to be sustained. Every day we need to be, uh, 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 we have physical needs and things like that. And in Matthew chapter 6, later on in this chapter, if you want to just look there with me, in verse 25, it says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls or the birds of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? And why take ye thought for raiment, verse 28, and consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon and all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which, is, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Verse 33 is the conclusion. Jesus says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because we know that God knows it all. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what we need and he can provide for it. We can trust his provision. We can trust in him. That's why we don't have to put God as the second priority. We can put God as the first priority and still have enough provision for every single day because he knows it all. And we can also trust his protection Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Spiritually, this world is a dangerous place. We have no idea what traps Satan has set up for us today or tomorrow or the next day in our workplaces, in our homes, in our communities, sometimes even in our churches. Satan is trying to wreak havoc. And we need protection from temptation. And we need deliverance. 
That's why Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Because God knows it all, we can trust him with our lives. We should trust him with our lives. It's reasonable to trust him with our lives. To go to God and say, God, what would you have for me? How would you like for me to live? What would you have for me to say? What would you have for me to do? In major decisions, we should go to God and say, God, what do you want me to do here? In minor decisions, we should go to God and ask God, God, what would you have for me to do here? Because God knows what would happen. He says, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. I know it seems reasonable. I know that makes sense to you. But I know more than you do. So trust me on this one. You don't want to go that way. And because God knows it all, it makes trusting in him reasonable. Number two, it also makes travailing for him easier. Let's turn to John chapter number 16. John chapter number 16, and we'll just look at a few verses over there. John 16, verse number 30 says, Now are we sure that thou knowest all things? Here are the disciples speaking to Jesus, and they say, We now know you know everything. You know it all. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee? By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace." God knows what is best for me. And I'll just be honest, if you live for the Lord, it's not going to be just prairie fields and roses and everything is all wonderful. God guaranteed to us, if you live as a light and a salt, you're going to face persecution. This world is dark. And if you live as light, there's going to be a conflict there. And it's tough. It's tough sometimes. And when you go to the workplace, the same workplace, same people, same situations, over and over and over again, man, it gets tough to continue to be that salt and light. Maybe sometimes even in your families, in your communities, if you're a student at school, wherever the case, wherever the place might be, man, it can get tough. But if you know that God knows it all, it'll make working and laboring for Him easier. Jesus Himself said in this passage in verse 33, that in me you might have peace. You can be calm. You can have that peace. In John 16, verse number 1 and 2, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye shall not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. It's almost like Jesus is telling the disciples, I know it's all great right now, but it's going to get worse. Because when Jesus was there... Man, everybody was following him. Everybody wanted to hear him. Everybody wanted to go to him. And he had many other disciples. But he's warning his disciples, it's going to get worse. You're going to face persecution. In fact, uh, history tells us that 11 out of the 12 died a martyr's death. But Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Man, it might not be easy. It's not going to be easy. But we can have peace while doing it. For some, it means that they might have wealth. For others, maybe not so much wealth. 
For some, it means uh, wonderful things that they had always hoped and dreamed for. For some, it may not be so. When you just read Hebrews chapter 11, there are some wonderful uh, stories that happened. And, but at the end, you see, man, some endings that maybe we didn't want to be a part of. But if we know that God knows it all, God knew it was going to happen, and God warned us it was going to happen, and He still said this was the best way, we can have peace in that. We can also be cheerful. Verse number 33, In the, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Man, it reminds me last week of when Brother Brooks was preaching about Jesus and the disciples on the water. And Jesus is walking on the water. And he's going past them. And they see him. And they're screaming. It's a spirit. It's a ghost. And they're, they're yelling to each other, I'm sure. And, and Jesus says to them, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. We can be cheerful because God knew what was going to happen. He knew the storm was coming. He knew their situation. And he knew that they would be fine. So he said, be of good cheer. And also you can be conquering. At the end of verse 33, it says, I have overcome the world. I not hope to overcome the world. Not even I want to or I will overcome. He says, I have overcome. I have, I have won already. And if you turn to Romans chapter 8, verse number 28, it, it relates some of that to us. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow. He knew already. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? We can have victory in the Christian life because God knows everything. He knows what's going to happen. He knows who's going to win. He knows all the, the good and the bad. You know, yesterday was a baseball game. I know many are here, are baseball fans. Uh, the Dodgers were playing. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm originally from the Seattle area. We have not seen playoffs in 15 years. And it doesn't look like we're going to see it anytime soon. But, you know, yesterday the Dodgers are playing. And I, I'm sure there were many people with great anticipation watching the game. It's Kershaw. He's on the mound. Man, he's going to win it for us, right? But not yesterday. But nobody knew that. Maybe some people felt that way. But God knew what was going to happen. God knew what was going to win. Who was going to win. God knows it all. And because God knows it all, He can bring us the victory as well. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Who is the church? It's us. God will build us, the body of believers. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God knew what was going to happen. He said, the gates of hell won't win. The church will win. And because God knew, that means we can have victory as well. 
it makes trusting in him reasonable. It makes travailing for him easier. Knowing that God knows it all, lastly, it makes transgressing against him harder. Job chapter 34, if you can turn there. Job 34, verse number 21 says, For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his going. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. For he will not lay upon man more than right that he should enter into judgment with God. He shall break in pieces mighty men without number and set others in their stead. Therefore he knoweth their works and he overturneth them in the night so that they are destroyed. He striketh them as wicked men in the sight of others because they turned back from him and would not consider any of his ways. God sees everything that we do. I was at a Home Depot this past week. I was uh, trying to get some wires. Our thermostat is like right in the middle of a wall that we kind of need for bookshelves. And so it was kind of in the way. And so I needed to get some wires and kind of extend it around. So I was there and uh, I, you know, I'd never seen this before, but I was walking through one of the aisles. I heard this really loud bell like right next to me. And it kind of startled me because I had no idea what it was. And I looked around right where I heard it and there was a screen with a picture of me on it. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I looked at this thing, I was like, what is this thing? And I, it must be like a security camera, so that you know they're watching you. We're watching you, all right? Richard, we're watching you. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you're watching me. I'm not going to do anything, but, you know? And so I, I thought about that, and I was like, oh, they're not just putting cameras up in the ceilings or in hidden places. They want you to know... I'm watching you. And God wants us to know he's watching us. He sees us. You ever driven down to the grocery store or driven to the store or maybe even driven to your workplace and you're just driving down the street, normal commute, or maybe not a normal commute, and a police officer pulls in behind you? What do you do? You look at your speedometer, right? You're like, how fast am I going? What's the speed limit? And you slow down. And you, you make sure to use your, your signals every single time. You give advance warning, right? Why? Why do we do that? We don't ever do that. But at that particular time, we do it. Why? Because we feel like somebody's watching us. Somebody's looking at us. You know, Tiger Woods, many of you are familiar with his story. And in 2009, he was 33 years old. He was on top of the world. He had won 14 major championships. And people are talking about him being the greatest ever. Better than Jack Nicklaus, better than Arnold Palmer, better than anybody you could think of. They're talking about it like it's inevitable it's going to happen. And then he got caught. And the stories came out. And I read later about the situation. This is what Tiger Woods said. He said, I thought... I could get away with whatever I wanted to. That's what he thought. But he couldn't. He didn't. He got caught. He thought his wife would never find out. He thought the world would never see. And even if he did get away with it all, God sees it all. And if we feel and know that God is watching us, it'll make transgressing against him harder. If you... Know that God is right there watching you. 
It might make sinning a little bit harder. It might make lying a little bit harder. It might make doing those things a little bit harder. Man, sometimes when we come to church, you know, just, just to be honest, man, you have good days and you have bad days, and sometimes the bad days end up on Sundays. And you come to church, and, and you're like, man, I, I, I'm in the church service, man, I gotta, I gotta be pleasant, I gotta be happy, I gotta be smiley, you know, and all of these things. But if a bad day falls on Monday or Tuesday, man, you know, it's just, it's World War III, you know, in the house or at the workplace. And, but if God's there, not just the people at church, not just Pastor Choi, then it'll make sinning against him harder. It's not like I just come to church and I act all spiritual and I, I act all religious and then I get to go home and on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I can do whatever I want. I can't do that because God knows it. God's watching me and God sees me. And so I got to live tomorrow the same way that I live today, even though I don't go to the church services tomorrow and I don't preach tomorrow and I don't do all those things and you may not serve tomorrow, but you got to live with that same mindset. So we know that God knows it all. And because God knows it all, it makes trusting in Him easier. It makes it reasonable for us to go to God and say, God, what do you want to do with my life? What do you want me to do today? How do you want me to live? It makes travailing for him easier. He knew the tough times were going to come. And it was no surprise to him. And he says, continue on. You're still on the right path. And it makes transgressing against him harder. Maybe you'll think twice before you maybe go through those same sins that you've been going through before. Because God knows it all.